0: Kia ora e te and welcome to Tall Stories, Tales from the Built Environment, a podcast series by the New Zealand Institute of Building. Join us as we delve into personal stories about inspirational career journeys for people in design and construction as you too build your own story.
1: Kia ora. This is another NZIOB tool story coming to you from a secret room hidden somewhere in Wellington. My name's Guy Marriage. I'm an architect and a lecturer, and perhaps you might have run into me around the place at some stage. But today, I've got two people who are far more interesting than me. Uh, we've got George Russell, who is a fantastic, very young man, who's just won a major award, and we're going to be talking about that in a minute. And we've got Julianne Manugid, who is still a student, and she's, she's shortly going to be leaving studenthood and going into the big, wide world, but she's, uh, she's been shining her way through her career all the way so far. So, Julianne, perhaps I could start off with you. Would you like to introduce yourself and yeah. tell us a bit about your background? Sure
2: thing. Um, kia ora. My name's Julianne Manugid. I am a fifth-year architecture student at Teheringawaka Victoria University, um, and I've been a bit of a wild card at the Institute of Building Home Team, helping out here and there, um, things like the co- um, BIMNNZ conference, and in the summer I was helping them run their membership survey, I'm just gathering data with the membership experience at NZIOB.
1: And if I can ask you, just as a, as a um, intro, what, what made you decide to study architecture and to be involved with the NZIOB?
2: Oh, well, my first... I'll answer the second bit first. Um, I think I was first exposed to them at our industry night last year with architecture where the architecture and design student rep team at VEC teamed up with them to run it. So that was my first kind of, you know, meeting the team and and things that they could do. Um, And in the summer, um, they got in contact with me to help run the membership survey. And from there, I kind of developed a good relationship with Pam and the whole team. Um. Yeah, just like being involved with what's going on in the industry, and I thought that was a really good introduction to um, the rest of you know what's been going on because I haven't really had much experience before that while I was studying. Um, I really, I was really fascinated by buildings and structures from a young age. I always found like the way that structures are made. and the balance with that and design was always really fascinating and I think that even started from just like living at home and you know enjoying my house and seeing other people's houses and seeing you know how they've kind of developed their own experiences from there and so there's that sense of private life but also in the sense of in public spaces things like so Papa when I moved here was a really I thought that was a really awesome building and I always enjoyed it my parents my family would go every week so in the weekends and just had spent some time with them and exploring Wellington while I still knew. So I always wanted to study that and be able to design spaces that had a very good experience.
1: It's good to hear some praise for Te Papa because often it <laughs> gets people Absolutely. complaining about it instead. But I do have a question for you. Have you ever been lost inside Te Papa?
2: Yes, I think I have. When I was like seven years old. Yeah. But I thought that was a really good, fun part of it. Probably when I was younger.
1: I, I think that, that's one of their design aims is that people actually get lost. Mm. I think that's why it is so confusing because they want people to get to, to realise there's more than one way to get places. Yeah. And and so everything has got at least two entries into the and and so when people try and it's not something that you can take a regular, straightforward path through. It's perhaps like a career in in construction or or building mm. where, where you might bounce from one thing to another. Mm. And maybe on that point, maybe I'll come to George. George Russell, uh, young man here, has, has just been won the Supreme Award. Is yes. that the award yep. for being Supreme? Or could you tell me a bit more about that,
0: George? Uh, yeah, kia ora. My name's George Russell, uh, currently Project Manager at uh, Wilson Commercial. Um, and was fortunate enough to be awarded Category 1 on the uh, project working on the Samoa High Commission. Um, which was a new build up in Kelburn in Wellington, and also won the Supreme Award on the night, which was fantastic recognition.
1: It is fantastic. Yeah, that's that's excellent. Yeah. Tell me, can you tell us more about your background? Where where did you come from? How did you start? How did you get into this business?
0: Uh my background's a bit varied. Uh, initially at school, I guess I was um, being a young male, not really sure where how what to do. Always sort of assumed I'd go to university. And things got university entrance. uh, Went to university, had um, a bit much of a good time, and uh, decided to move on. And then I was going to do um, underwater dive construction as my backup option because I always had an interest in diving, and I'd done diving at high school and things. And I was actually studying to do that. And um, we were out in um, the Marlborough Sounds, and there was a man who worked in underwater dive construction with us and his advice to me at that point was you would want my bank account but you wouldn't want my life um because he could be three months somewhere in the world three months somewhere else and things and he sort of said that he um, never had time for family or a regular life and that's what he must so uh even though I was only young that kind of touched time with me so um I decided to use some of my time at university and um, go to polytech and get a diploma in engineering. Um, And so I did that part-time and then worked part-time in a structural engineering firm where I did soil testing, drafting, surveying, um, just helped out and was a dog's body and got a good exposure to a broad range of things in the industry from commercial jobs to residential. And then from there, after finishing studies, decided to shift from Christchurch up to Wellington and um, started a cadetship with a, uh, with a Tier 1 contractor. and Yeah, kind of evolved from there and been with the main contractors ever since.
1: Fantastic.
0: Are you still diving? Uh, no, that's one of the things which when kids and a mortgage comes along kind of goes by the wayside. If, uh,
1: I thought it'd be a, a great way of getting away from the kids and the mortgage is just to take oh, the plunge Yeah. And- Got Stay twenty meters down, not have other to deal past with anything. Times for that. Hey, okay, so uh, your recent job on the Samoan High Commission. Can you tell me a bit more about that? How How did that project come about? How, what position were
0: you working on in that? And so, being a government um, organisation, they were. It was a tender process. So um, CCM Architects had done a design and as project manager, went out to market. And uh, so we were fortunate enough. Um, they initially were talking to another um, contractor, but they realised through those um, sort of tender negotiations and things that they um, their methodology wasn't necessarily um, correct or considered. So um, we were fortunate enough to be invited to the second round of tenders at which we were the preferred tenderer. Um, and so we were able to talk through methodology and things to secure the job uh, because very technical site at the top of one of Wellington's steepest streets up the top of Aurora Terrace and uh, also only accessed via a three metre wide driveway to get structural steel, concrete, um, wow. precast concrete, all of those fun things into a back section. Um, so. Yeah, it's um. We were fortunate enough to secure that job, and yeah, I was on there as the project manager for Wilson's. So. so did it go smoothly? No hitches. Oh, there was always challenges. So the site um had split platforms. So there was the lower level, which was a tennis court, and then the um, the next terrace was six meters above it. Um, and then there was about a six meter retaining wall up to the existing high commission. So very steep site. So logistically yeah, starting the process of 140-odd rock anchors and then sprayed concrete walls up to 12 metres high to secure a site to get platform and then we had to get a piling rig in the, in the back section and um, put about 50-something piles in the ground. So um, the challenge in that job was logistics and coordinating how do you keep drive-on access how do you um, keep work faces flowing? So we had to break it down into bite-sized pieces and different areas for different priorities. So initially it was securing the back of site and also securing the boundary on which an um, old brick apartment building was constructed and we had to pile immediately adjacent to. Um, but getting the, the key to our success there was getting the um, basement platform done because that's where we set up a tower crane um, to crane things in and out of the job since you lose the driveway to services. and yeah. Julianne, how does all this talk of uh,
1: a really complex job like that, does that fill you with excitement or fill you with terror?
2: A little bit of both. It's fascinating to hear the process and the balance of all these different aspects and all these different um, external contractors, obviously, and managing it all to run smoothly obviously there's some challenges. Right. I think that's an aspect that hasn't really been focused on in my studies, the whole project management. It's only been touched on briefly. And I think the more I talk to people from N Z I V and through the industry, I found that to be really cool to see how the management side is how how it's run. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I mean as as you know, I teach construction and, and we have to touch on the project management side of, of things. Mm-hmm. And that I always find the most difficult because I'm not a project manager. I'm I'm an architect. But getting that understanding of how a project evolves is a key, is a key part of, of, of understanding things, yeah. isn't it? And and just how complex they can be. I'm thinking we might have to get George in next year to give a lecture to my students. But we'll talk about that at, at some later stage. So uh, Julianne, what have you been working on so far in your career? Uh, on uh, anything on site, or has it all been on paper so far?
2: It's all been on paper so far. I haven't had much, if at all. Most of my experience in industry is from the institute uh, at this point.
1: So, where do you? Where would you like your career to go?
2: The world is my oyster at this point.
1: Absolutely, the world is your oyster. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. I
2: have. I would really like to go on site. I think I would like to experience. You know, seeing the idea and vision and all the construction happening and the process of um, something being built.
1: Yes, somehow we need to figure out a process where we can get the wealth of knowledge that's occurring in George's head. Um, And at the moment, the only way we've got to get that into anybody else's head really is for them to maybe follow somebody else on site or to start off as a junior project manager. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, George, your Your experience in running that job, which sounds really complicated. It's three levels down, it's down a narrow driveway. It's got 147 rock anchors. Yeah, which is a tremendous. I mean, recently I did a project and I think it had six or eight
0: um,
1: rock anchors, and that took the guys weeks to do that. So I I can't imagine how long and how difficult that must have been. But even just getting material into a site and out of site and things like that, how do you learn all that stuff?
0: Where did all that knowledge come from? I think that's through time, uh, also Wellington forces that up on you, um, I mean you just, you can drive past um, Naylor Love Sites at Town Hall, LT McGuinness working up at uh Calborne University and uh, you never get the dream site in Wellington, so you have to think about that on a project from the outset, um, that really is the key to your success, um, no matter who you work for, And yeah it's just one of those learned things. Um, and even when you do have space, uh, like if you're out at Wellington Airport or something, where I've worked um, for contractors previously, um, then you've got to work in with your logistics and operations. The space gets used by others. Uh, y- y- you never get the dream run in Wellington. Yeah, I mean, something like the
1: airport job is it's a flat site, but it's constrained in terms of height mm-hmm. and hours. Yes. And, um, as you say, comings and goings, you know, the, with the whole air side versus versus uh, landside, landside yeah. all that, those sorts of things. So you need to slice and dice the site, not just in terms of area, but also in terms of time
0: and yes. and, and, and people access and things yes. like that, don't you? So yep. there's a whole lot of things to consider. And the revenue-making avenues, like car parking, um, tenants, and a yeah, yeah, whole lot of drivers um, Yeah, to consider. Can't take
1: away from the revenue-making. That's a crucial yeah. part of certainly of the airport's work. Um, yeah, um, George. Okay, you've been a busy guy. What about your um, your home and family life and things? Have you have you got a family? Have you got a life outside being a busy project manager? Ah,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. You go home and um, your yeah, children remind you that you've got other responsibilities outside of work. So, yeah, three children, been married for over ten years. With with the industry that I work in being demanding and things that. We were fortunate enough that we could have my wife at home to look after kids and things, so that balance work for worked for us while they were young and uh yeah in the last year since the youngest one started school um she's gone back to work part time so yeah support network and um and things certainly makes a job and my particular job easier and more manageable
1: yeah yeah. Just got to get those children old enough so they can help out on site as well. Yeah. they, they take be, interest. But... They're small; they can get into those pretty <laughs> places and things yeah. like that. Too. <laughs> what about you, uh, Julianne? In terms of your um, your home life, yeah. have you had uh, you been flatting? Are you, um, you know, uh, what what's been the backup system for you? Yeah,
2: just, um, I think my flatmates are really supportive. They're very helpful. It's nice to get. Um, I have one architecture student living with me, but the others. Um, are studying something else, so it's nice to get a good, fresh, different perspectives from home. You know, have something that sets me apart from that's quite separate from uni and architecture. Um, my only responsibility really is my house plants, so they're giving they're giving a lot of good life, you know, good energy.
1: If you're keeping them alive, that's <laughs> that's better than I ever managed to. All mine died while I was while I was a student because uh, I think I spent so long at the architecture school that. I forgot to order them.
2: (laughs) Probably just start bringing them into the studio. Oh,
1: yeah. This episode is proudly sponsored by Jib Plasterboard, your local plasterboard manufacturer. Jib Plasterboard offers a wide range of training programs and technical help for lining installation, fire resistance performance, noise control, wet area systems, and rigid air barrier solutions. Please call the JIB helpline team on 0800 100 442 for technical support or register for a training session at slash training and events. Let's just ask, ask a few questions about um diversity within the uh, within the industry within the construction industry and, and the the architecture industry. What's what's your What's your take on it, uh, Julianne? What have you seen? Um, you, you've been in a cohort of students which has been pretty much 50-50 yeah. uh, intake into the school and and working through the school. Do, do you feel that it's uh, Is it still a male-oriented learning industry or do you think that it's fairly well broken down in terms of the sexes?
2: I think it's really starting, it's really beginning to be quite balanced in the representation. I think even in the cohorts I've seen um, older than me and those younger than me that I've tutored, I've seen it, the male to female representation, even out in almost, I think, to the point. um, There's probably more female architecture students these days, especially in the younger undergraduate cohort. So I think that's quite encouraging and really cool to see. Um, And I also think we're really starting to celebrate and acknowledge. Women in industry from like we've had books architecture women um, associates like Nowik, um, start to be more and more inclusive and be more popular yeah
1: are you are you a member of nowwichk yeah 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 fantastic good <laughs> yes. yeah. Um, what what about your experiences George, in terms of diversity and um in race and sex on the on the um, on the workforce, do you see much diversity out there, or is it is it a
0: more of a male oriented? On on construction sites, it tends to be more male oriented, but uh, certainly seeing the growth of um, yeah Nawa and what they're pushing and things, um, also through other organisations um, pushing female lead initiatives and things. Um, it's funny, it's one well, I'd say when we we're up at the. Um, university there was one particular trade and um, they had a uh, female project manager on site and um, on the talks and uh, i've got to say she could make her team do whatever she wanted she was fantastic Um, and a great leader she knew everything that was going on and yeah it was one of the most organized people ever worked with Um, so it's good to see them pushing trades and things more as options Um, Yeah, and obviously working through um, with consultants and things, yeah, the balance is certainly changing and shifting, you can see, as it's brought on. Um, The other big diversity change in um, the construction industry over the last decade is obviously the Filipinos as well. Um, A lot of Filipinos in the workforce, so um, we have a number of them work directly for us at Wilsons, and... um, I suppose step one we always do is keep at least two of them working together um, so that they feel they've got comrades and things and don't feel isolated and things. And um, yeah, no, it's fantastic to have them on board and the, uh, the enthusiasm and consistency they bring to their work is second to none. And yeah, I think at the moment we'd be on a site of 60, we'd be running about 30% Filipino workforce at the moment, so yeah, that's certainly grown. And Wellington culturally is diverse as well, so you've always mm. got a large variety of ethnicities and things on site in Wellington as a general. Yeah, um, I, I think that I think you're right that the Wellington is fortunate
1: in, in having a very diverse uh, workforce. Yeah, um, and and yeah, certainly the projects I've seen near me have all been um, a lot of Filipino workers as well, which makes makes for an interesting uh, time on site. When I was working in London, um, all of the workers were Polish. Yes. And no, But nobody on our site could speak Polish. Yes. We had one guy who could speak both Polish and German. So we had one one of our architects who could speak German. So there was this very convoluted chain of command of, of trying to talk to the guys on site. And you're never quite sure mm. if they understood what you meant, because you had to go from English to German to Polish, then to all the rest of them. So... That that sort of thing got really confused. I don't know if if things are more uh, more easily followed nowadays with the advent of everything being online, um, and, and so people just following. Do people follow you know um, drawings online? Do they have a, a download a copy, or do they still work on a paper
0: basis? Uh, it depends on the trade as to what you're setting them up and what you do. Uh, lots of companies are software based now, so they're on a the tablet. Um, or even just on a mobile phone to be able to pull up the documents and click on what they need. Um, yeah, it depends on the task and what you set guys up for. I still like the old-fashioned paper. Um, nothing beats uh, keeping um, keeping the drawings in a uh, in a clear file, and then um, when you get a new one, you can put it on top, but you can quickly get a whiteboard marker, draw something on it, take a photo, send it to a consultant in seconds. And then um, have a discussion point, and then just wipe it off the cliff.
1: Is there any uptake of technological advances like um, uh, virtual reality or um, what's what's? AI. Yeah, well, AI. Yeah, well, hopefully, we haven't seen any AI design buildings <laughs> yet. Although maybe we, maybe we have, but but
0: VR and what's the other one? AR, augmented. augmented reality. Do you. I mean, personally haven't had any experience in that, but it's. Something I can see online and things, um, companies are are bringing in, and I see uh SightSafe even recently released one of their courses. Now you do fully on um, virtual reality headsets and things they recently launched in the last yeah. few weeks as well. So I, I it's think a that, tool which will grow. Yeah, that's something that 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 will
1: we will see more of in the future. I think as people have you know, have some uptake in, into
0: the sort of VR space. The other, the other handy ones are the uh, excavators and earthworks and things. Now they can all be programmed in so that the machine won't go beyond limits, and um, they you know their boundaries. And particularly handy around infrastructure such as railways and things, you can put in blackout zones or traffic. Absolutely, uh, yeah. yeah I it's had a, a p- growing technology with a purpose. Yeah, and useful. I had we
1: had a job a couple of years back where the, the uh, excavator got a little bit over enthusiastic and took away a whole lot more earth than he was meant to, which was yeah, it's a real problem to try and figure out what, what to do. Um, Julianne, what, what about your, your views on technology? Where, um, you've been What, what uh, software have you been using throughout your career and what do you particularly find uh, an interest in? I think
2: in the realm of computational design. and um, I think that almost goes hand in hand with them technology has been really useful, um, kind of when I started using Revit and that type of software, um, you know, getting a feel for a bit more of industry standards and processes and how that could translate to the building. I think even using construction that was like my first um, experience using Revit. And so from there, that kind of exposed me from to the software. Um, computational design, I find, Quite fascinating, and I've been reading up on it quite a bit for my thesis. Is kind of the kind of maximizing the efficiency and the scope of building and construction processes um, for things like prefabrication. I think that's probably really important as well to address like sustain- sustainability
1: things like that. Is that a part of the um, part of the sphere where you think you might be? Pushing more towards? Do you think that's, you know, is, is computational design something for everybody or just for a few?
2: It's not for everyone, for sure, I've noticed. Um, but I can see its benefits, and I think because um, our technology is advancing so far, it'll be really useful to be able to understand it and maximize its productivity and how we use it to work for us. Yeah. And I think that is kind of the realm that I would to dive into i do like the more
1: technological side yeah but at the same time we've still got to get you on site to yeah. to see what because yeah. to me that that's when you really learn something is when you've drawn it and, yeah. and you've you've nutted it all out in 2d and then you look at it and plan and it all seems to make sense and then you go to site and see the thing being built and you realize oh my oh, goodness God. what i've created a monster so that to me that reinforcing of what you do on site is just a crucial part of of the learning process. Now I wonder when you worked on the uh, Samoan Commission in Wellington, what was there of Samoan culture uh, on the project team on site? Was there anything in terms of the way that the building was made that was different, or the way that it was built different, tikanga, so to speak?
0: Uh, So the Samoan Commission was really interesting on a cultural point of view. up front, um, here, um was one of the architects involved for CCM and um, put some. there's obviously personal interest having been born in Samoa for him, but uh, also it was fantastic because he was able to talk me through the design um, when you go up the drive, for example, and you approach the building. Um, zinc, which is in a triangle pattern. Um, and yeah, three dimensional and things just looks like a really nice facade, but um, is to represent sharks' teeth, which represent being agile, um, but strong and and defensive and things. So uh, there was that, and then there was um different different aspects of the building, different ceiling levels throughout the building. So um, you walk into a room and there was always a ceiling, um, which was lower. And then you'd go into spaces which had higher ceilings to represent that of uh, traditional fall meeting houses um, it was was throughout the job um, at different levels. the use of timbers and things for not just acoustic and look good purposes on high levels but again represent the um, the traditional buildings of Samoa. uh there was a whole number of things the the selection of floor colors, even the color of the tile and the toilets. Um, used, uh, yeah, there was a whole range of things, which was really interesting to build a building which represented and reflected Samoan people and culture, and gave them a sense of connection and belonging. Uh, there was also, yeah, graphics which represented the treaty, um, a friendship between New Zealand and Samoa, um, and told a story as you walked up the stairs and on different levels you saw the signage. So, uh, yeah, it was really interesting to being something. Um, And you could tell it meant so much to the High Commission and everyone involved. Um, And, yeah, interesting dealing with um, people from the Pacifica community and the calmness that they brought and the relationship and the people focus they brought to the the project was really nice as well. Did you have competition amongst your workers to, to be working on that project? Uh, oh, there was certainly um, any Pacifica involved in it, took great pride in it. Um, there was at one point the um, on the crane base, I had an opportunity, five metres wide by two metre tall hoarding, isolating the crane base to um, paint something on, and it was at the time of the Rugby League World Cup, so I started painting a Samoan flag um, on the crane base. I started with the white um, background colour to seal it, and then I painted the red. And left the uh, top corner white, ready to paint the um, blue on it and things. So at that point, the uh, Tongan team were given the uh, Samoan boys on side a hard time that they were going to turn it into the Tongan flag. And um, yeah, no, everyone took pride in working on that project and being involved and sort of standing up for their cultures and um, being proud of where they come from and things. So. Absolutely, it sounds fantastic.
1: Um.
0: Where do you see the future of the construction industry going, George? Uh, it varies, I guess, um, as to what what organisation you work for and um, what drivers are. I think prefabrication's always of interest. Uh, New Zealand's seismic challenges don't make it quite as straightforward as those time-lapse videos you see overseas. Um, we've got different geographical challenges to factor into design Uh, I think there's a large part for that Um, for me personally and us at Wilson's we're about uh, client engagement and trying to get the best outcome a more sort of personable um, approach or a slightly different approach now that's scale relative as well um, depending on jobs that you do Um, but yeah we try I suppose get people involved through the process through the decision making and, a bit more buy-in, so a kind of different feel, I suppose you'd call it in the construction industry, as, um, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to just a straight contractual build us, this everyone in their set roles. And yeah, so just changing, changing people's perception of the industry, I suppose as well. I personally struggle.
1: Julianne, any final words from you about? Uh where you see the future of New Zealand construction industry going and, and your future within it. Are you aiming for the top? Are you planning for success?
2: Absolutely. <laughs> I think the first the first big step for me is getting my foot in the door. And that I has kind of given me that that I'd really like a taste of yeah, like working site, you know, working in a firm and getting that um practical experience that university kind of sets you up for but is so different to all the theoretical knowledge that we do, that you know, working inside, working in a team, um, you know, project managing, um, all that stuff and all the collaboration, being client facing, um, I want to get a feel for that first before I think I find myself into any which path and specialisation.
1: I think you're you're right there in working in a team is a is a key part of being uh in the construction industry and in the building industry. I don't know of any um contractor in New Zealand that works completely on their own. It's always team based things. You know, the number of relationships that you have with people, um, you know, in terms of them getting them to do a subcontracting part or taking a lead on something or being a specialist with that particular type of fixings. These are all points that it's, it's just so important in New Zealand isn't it?
0: Absolutely and it's um, the other one as well in New Zealand you've got to remember is it's such a small market that while well, you get frustrated at different times through different challenges and communication that it's only two jobs away until you work with the same person again so um, teamwork and understanding is uh, certainly key to success and Getting things done.
1: Yeah, we've got an expression here which is um, "don't burn your bridges," which you know. It, when I was in England, you could work with a contractor, and you be guaranteed you'd never have to see them again in your life. But over here, as you say, every second job they come up again, and so you've got to have some friendships because you know you you need to know you need to build on these personal relationships. So, so we've got some takeaways from that, which is um, quality is key, communicate well. Don't burn your bridges. Look to the future and plan with confidence. How does that sound? Fantastic. All right. Thank you, team. Thank you, George. Thank you, Julianne. Really good to have you both talking with us today. And uh, I look forward to seeing you both out there on the coalface. Thanks, Guy.
0: Thanks for having
2: us.
0: Thanks for listening to Tall Stories, Tales from the Built Environment, a podcast series by the New Zealand Institute of Building.